Welcome to Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. Woo! I am one of your hosts, Adam. Uh, I'm Jeremy. I'm the non-evil sounding one. <laughs> I'll stop sounding evil. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. I didn't mean to scare you. You did kind of frighten me a little bit there. <laughs> We're reading uh, X-Men number five. The May 1964 issue. Yeah, man. And on the cover... We got some fantastic things going on. It looks like the angel is trapped. Wait a minute. It says the angel is trapped. <laughs> well, it just doesn't bury the lead there. We got, There's uh, a lot going on on this front cover. Yep. Iceman's throwing snowballs, just as you would expect. I should mention for the listeners out there that they should get their copy of their omnibuses or their originals or their iPads out and read along with us. It makes this thing so much nicer. And if anybody is reading along with an original, please let us know. <laughs> if you actually have an original, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. All right, so... Uh, and you're using it for this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's, in a, uh, hopefully it's not in that great a condition. Or maybe you just don't care. Or maybe the market has fallen so far down <laughs> out of uh, comic books that you just don't even care anymore. This issue is called Trapped One X-Man. I bet you it's Angel. <laughs> i'm gonna go out on a limb on that one um okay so this is kind of a continuation of last issue uh our first uh multi-part story arc if you will in the x-man universe yes and we left off with professor x having lost his powers seemingly uh and the um X-Men having been defeated by the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Well, were they defeated? No, I guess it was a tie. Uh, it was a tie. They both got away. Nobody won, nobody lost. So I'm just so used to them being defeated at this point. <laughs> Everybody gets a trophy in that issue. <laughs> this issue is a spellbinding story by Stan Lee, dazzling drawing by Jack Kirby, inking by Paul Rainman, and lettering by S. Rosen. Poor Paul Rainman and S. Rosen. They don't get yeah, the good adjectives before their names. It's like they ran out of uh, <laughs> ran out of ideas. Ran out of energy. Um. So yeah, first splash panel. They're bringing the uh, professor home. He's all wrapped up in blankets because apparently he's cold from his journey back from the uh, wherever they were, Santa Rico or San Marco, wherever. And they he's were. actually uh, he's actually asleep in this panel. Oh yeah, yeah, he is in his little wheelchair. Sure. Um, and so on page two, uh, we get another uh, dose of Cyclops's awesomely powerful destructive power, which he somehow keeps under control to shoot through a keyhole. He opens the door with his power, which is I, pretty impressive. <laughs> I got to stop you here. I mean, if the if Cyclops has uh, uh, demonstrated some of the best control over his power of any of these X-Men, you got to wonder why he's so worried about it. <laughs> He's just a big worrywart. Ugh. All right. And of course, Iceman makes him feel guilty here. Uh, if you miss the door, it's goodbye, Iceman. <laughs> <laughs> so no wonder he feels like worried about his power. Maybe that's the thing is that he has the best control and all the other X-Men know it. So they're always keeping him down. <laughs> <laughs> no, Scotty. Scotty, you got to look out. You're out of control. Oh, man. I'm sorry, Iceman. <laughs> sorry, buddy. All right. So they... Uh, they get the uh, professor to relax. Into a nearby bed. Yeah. I don't know how much room there is in this mansion, but it seems like Angel does an awful lot of flying around. <laughs> Wildly. <Yes. laughs> 
Uh, Marvel Girl in the previous panel lifts uh, the professor up to move him. So I guess demonstrating that she does actually have a part on the team. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I had a question. Okay. It's not consistent throughout this issue, but from time to time, the word balloons have different colors. Do you have any idea why that is? Uh, yeah, I've, I've noticed that too now that you mention it. Um, and it's, at, first, at first when I was reading this, I was like, oh, I bet you Marvel girls are always pink, but they're not. And then uh, <laughs> in one panel, on panel uh, five, four here, Iceman has a yellow word balloon. Don't know why. I don't know. Huh. They just had extra ink. Yeah, you should, uh, we should we should keep track of which ones are which, and maybe it's like an emphasis on something. I guess. If any of our listeners out there know, they should email in to dangerroom at redcatproductions.com or leave us a comment at our webpage. Yeah. <laughs> I'm betting a- it's just completely random. Uh, this doesn't seem to... The colorist just is bored. Yeah, maybe it's when there's like multiple uh, word balloons crossing over each other. Well, see that's just to separate them, but it, it's not consistent. No, see that's kind of what I thought. I was like, well, maybe every other word balloon is going to be colored just for separation. But if you look at that panel four, the first one's colored, but the second two are white, and they're all overlapping each other. Hmm. That'll make any sense. Anyways, the um, world may never know. Somebody knows, and they're going to email us <laughs> and tell us. Stanley, if you're out there, we want to know. And it's not like, I mean, okay, so in today, you have like Photoshop where you could select and then hit the fill button. This is 1964. They don't have a fill button. Somebody <laughs> had to color this. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> so they put the professor down to sleep and everybody's worried. And uh, uh, skipping ahead pretty quickly. Uh, let's see. <laughs> not much happens. A car approaches. Yeah. Marvel Girl's parents show up, and everybody has to go dress up in their, their civic bests. Well, the first thing I want to mention here on page three is the Beast jumps upside down and is able to cling from the ceiling. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> using his latent Spider-Man powers. <laughs> I, okay, so, and they're also, uh, they, they're dashing off to their rooms to get uh, prepared in their civilian clothes. But what does Iceman do? He leaves a big trail of ice to his room from wherever <laughs> they are, which at some point is going to melt and leave a big trail of water. Nobody's going to notice that? Which they can explain away. Well, this whole thing was so confusing because they... Uh, okay, uh, so Iceman gets rid of his frost powers. He defrosts. Angel puts his wings away. Beast dress up and admits that he really enjoys being Hank McCoy instead of the Beast. Sure. Uh, and Psychops he, talks about his glasses. Right. And, he, and Beast explains all of that using a yellow word balloon and a white <laughs> word balloon. All right, anyways. Um, and then Marvel Girl talks up to herself about how nobody knows she's – her parents don't know she's Marvel Girl. Her parents come in. They're introduced to each other, and suddenly they're in the danger room. Yeah, you're right. So somebody how had – How did they get in the danger room? <laughs> somebody had to answer the door and then apparently lead them to the danger room, which happens to have a desk in the middle of the room if you're looking at page four, <laughs> panel one. So at first you're like, well, the desk doesn't make – I mean, the desk makes sense because you don't know at this point that they're in the danger room. But later on right. in the page they are in the danger room. But before we get there, uh, Jean Grey's mom says that uh, – when we were contacted by Washington, D.C., recommending your courses so highly, we knew it was the best thing for our daughter. My question is, is what? <laughs> <laughs> what the, who in Washington, D.C. called the Grays and said, hey, you better let your... Was it Duncan? 
FBI yeah, agent it, Duncan? It must have been. Uh, apparently, the this revealed more in this issue that the X-Men are some sort of government subproject. No, but they're not. <laughs> at least they kind of or at, at least that's their cover. At least at this up until this point we know that the professor has some contacts with FBI agent Duncan, but that's all we know. But you're right, on panel 2 Mrs. Gray says, "Oh, some of your courses are classified top secret by the government." Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, so the Avengers I, the, the the Avengers are a government sponsored project, aren't they? Uh I, I, I thought am. anyways. I, I do not know. Oh, and the Fantastic Four are, if not sponsored by the government, are known by the government. But it seems that the X-Men, even though this is just issue five, is they've made great attempts to keep their identities a secret. So far, even to freak out when they let somebody uh, unknown into their secret headquarters. Yeah, it's very confusing. Okay, so somebody in the Writers Guild doesn't know what's going on. Well, I, I have a theory that I'll... I'll uh... All right, do it. No, I... I... It'll. It, I'll, I'll bring it out later. Oh, okay. It, it'll come out later, and it'll it'll affect this, and uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, uh, as as you were mentioning, um, they, they were yes, they're in the danger room, and for some reason, uh, they forget about Scott. <laughs> so, yeah. and, well, uh, first, first, Mrs. Gray goes to touch Scott's glasses, and he flips out. No, don't touch them. And then. Um, and then Beast, in order to change the subject, tells them that they're in the gym. They're getting their gym equipment next week. And that's when they're in the danger room. So that explains away why they're, they're standing in an empty, uh, what appears to be a gymnasium, with, by the way, a desk with books and a lamp in the middle of the room. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they've been traveling somehow. Yes. Like they're on one of those uh, escalators. Ah, yes. It's kind of like, uh, oh, shoot, what's that show? Never mind. Cut that part out. <laughs> Um, kind of like in the Venture Brothers. Venture Brothers? No, I was going back further. The opposite of the Flintstones is the Jetsons. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and they're sliding along, and then, yes, and it's just this everlasting escalator. All right, so anyways, they close the door. They leave Scott in the danger room because apparently he's glum, and they forget about him. Or maybe they just don't want to talk to him. Uh, so they lock him into the danger room accidentally, and it is on Beast's training period. Which seems really dangerous. I mean, it is called the danger room, so I'll give them that. But you close the door and it starts up? That's just how it works? Yeah, it seems pretty, uh, not very good fail-safes. There's no, like, override protocol? Yeah, 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 override, code Cyclops. No, (laughs) it just goes. You got to go through the whole thing. And so... um, in the future, we're going to learn, like way in the future, so even if you're listening to this, these spoilers will be forgotten by then. The Danger Room is augmented with alien technology. At this period of the Danger Room, this is just stuff that the professor went out to like Kmart and bought, which makes <laughs> me like, like, how did he make the floor do what it's doing in the first panel in page five? Do we actually know when it gets augmented with uh, the, the alien technology? Because I thought it was like from the beginning. Ah, oh, that's like Chris Claremont time. Well, right, but then, I mean, later, and this is much, much later, the professor in uh, in Joss Whedon's run, it's revealed that the danger room is actually uh, alive. Alive, but I think that's metamorphosizing from the Shi'ar technology and stuff. Hmm. I, don't think it's, I don't think it's augmented with alien technology yet, but hey, this is a footnote, man. Maybe when we get to the actual... We'll never get there. That's like 500 <laughs> issues from now. <laughs> To make my point, right now, <laughs> the professor had to go down to Kmart and buy this stuff. 
impressive. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he gets bounced up by the floor. This is Cyclops. Grabs onto a trapeze, which is fake, just like the last ep- issue where the, the rope was a fake piece of paper. <laughs> Not very creative, that professor. And then trapeze Cyclops basically... Dummy. Cyclops just basically blasts everything away and uh, beats uh, Beast's test scenario quick, quickly. Yeah, yeah, without even a scratch. He he looks a little worse for wear, but uh, he's doing all right. Yeah, yeah. So and luckily, the room is soundproofed, so Gene's parents couldn't have heard anything. Yep. And then I love this little uh, caption at the bottom here. Typical of the caliber of the X Men is the fact that even in his moment of trial, the youth known as Cyclops thinks of the thinks first of the others. Well, that's pretty typical of Marvel superheroes. (laughs) So then we move on to page six, where the the Greys have finished their visit, and they're pulling off in their nice yellow convertible, and there is a stranger lurking in the background. And uh, here's more about the government. I would like to know what the school's connection with the government is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah perhaps they're teaching special secret science course oh well i suppose we'll find out someday perhaps we will audience (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and the stranger who is lurking in the background happens to be the mastermind now i always thought that what is the address something gray malkin avenue westchester new york was out in the country Hmm. uh so why is the mastermind there looking for the (laughs) x-men who happens to be ironically right behind him but realistically there's no reason for the mastermind to be here because unless i miss my guess or they're not explaining it correctly there's nothing else here but this little school well i always gathered that the school was there's a little town around the school oh yeah that's what i always thought um that may be confused with like some of the x-men first class stuff and you know, all these other iterations of the X-Men, but I kind of gathered that there was like a small community and somewhere uh, in the middle of it was the school. If you fast forward to like X-Men 220s-ish, they show scenes like big pull-out wide scenes of the mansion surrounded by nothing but like trees and grass. Hmm. So, yeah. There's a little town nearby. No. I'm no, going to stick with that. Well, there's probably like, like how nearby, like a mile? Yeah, like driving distance. Oh, well, sure. I'll give you that. But but, but still, that doesn't... I mean, why would Mastermind go looking in a non-populous area for the X-Men? Looks like he's standing in front of a... Uh... You know, waiting for a bus, which isn't going to come because there's nobody here because <laughs> the town's a mile away. <laughs> All right, anyways. So he radios in with his pocket watch that he can't find the X-Men. So uh, what? Magneto's planes operate on magnetic energy. Comes silently zooming down to pick him up and uh quicksilver flies him back to our first appearance of asteroid m which i've got a big problem with (laughs) (laughs) i mean i realize that it's 1964 so like as the apollo the apollo project hasn't started yet has it because we don't land on the moon until 1969 so i'm trying to figure out where we were in the space program in 1964 there are a lot of questions about space that happened in this issue. I sub- yes, questionable things. Yeah. Well, I was trying to figure that out. Like, what did what did we know as people about space in 1964? Well, I guess we'll get into that. But so the moon, the, the, the asteroid M is floating around the planet, which begs to my question: Where did all of that money come from? I 
don't think that uh, it's Magneto. He doesn't. He doesn't need money. He just builds things with his magnetic, awesome magnetic powers. Okay, I, I, I grant you that Magneto, the master of magnetism, could probably steal anything magnetic and assemble it together in ways that it's meant to be connected. But th- some of this stuff in 1964 wouldn't exist. Like, like if you look at panel one. That thing that's hanging off, like like actually the asteroid's kind of dork thing that's hanging off on the bottom <laughs> right corner, like what's that? I don't think you could go to Radio Shack if one existed in 1964 and just steal one of those. That looks like specially crafted for Asteroid M. I'm thinking it's all for show. This is like <laughs> artwork. So he had to commission yeah. <laughs> somebody to make this thing, and that would not be cheap because somehow you'd he... have to build it on Earth and then launch it into space. No, so I think he commissioned he someone... Space? I think he commissioned someone to sketch it. Like, okay, Magneto went to Jack Kirby, and he was like, design me an asteroid. And then he took all his magnetic powers, he put it together, and he built it. All right. This is a theory I'm going by. Okay. I just invented that. That's that's not a bad theory, but let me let me... Let me counter that. Let me play devil's advocate for a second. If I say, Jack Kirby, draw me a picture of, uh, of anything. Draw me a picture of um, Professor Xavier and show it to me. And he shows it to me, and then I take a lump of clay. Am I going to be able to mold that lump of clay into the picture that Jack Kirby rendered? If you are the master of magnetism? Yeah. <laughs> No, you have to have some sort of natural talent in order to mold that sort of stuff. He's the master of magnetism. Uh, fine, <laughs> the master of metal me- metallurgic art as well. He's he's any anything magnetic. All right, <laughs> all right. So he molded those antennas and those dishes and and the landing pads and the spaceships that he's flying around in. Yes, there's a glass dome up on the upper right. Did he did he some is that is that like some sort of transparent aluminum? That's where the garden is. <laughs> of course. All right. Enough. So they uh, <laughs> land on uh, a- Asteroid M, which, which you know, with which is, I like Asteroid M because uh, it could have been one of those throwaway uh, ideas, but it does kind of mm-hmm. have a reoccurring presence throughout the Marvel Universe. So they didn't just toss it away when they were done with it. And uh, strange things happen as they arrive. Uh, Toad jumps on Mastermind's back, which is just weird. Yeah, he's slow. And uh, Quicksilver bounces around. Yeah, because Toad's Toad's happy to see them. <laughs> Toad's like, a, is he is he is he happy to see them? I can't tell because he just he he jumps on his back and he seems kind of angry. Oh, I always took it like he was like a five year old, like hey, I'm yay, I'm so happy to see you, like a like a five year old who's in Toad's body and has Toad's power and could jump around and get all excited. That's how I take it, anyways. So I don't think he's attacking them. I think he's just very excited to see his friends. Okay. I'll buy that. <laughs> All right. So uh, none, nevertheless, Quicksilver and Mastermind do not like the Toad and try to get away from him. And uh, Mastermind wraps him up in a heavy cloth, an elusive, uh, one of his illusion power heavy cloths. And it's convincing enough that Toad actually can't get free, which is pretty impressive. They actually do go at to great lengths to explain more of Mastermind's powers about how he has greater psychic abilities, like the psychic ability to really convince you that whatever the illusion is is having an effect on you. Which is a very impressive power that, yeah. uh, as as this issue goes on, he will use to less and less effect. <laughs> this is about as the uh, the most effective his power gets is wrapping <laughs> up his buddy. All right, so... 
Magneto commands him to let him go, which he does. He does. Magneto's good. And the uh, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants essentially argue. Yes. Yes. Uh, But it boils down to Magneto having a new plan. Um, I guess a common theme, uh, even in last issue, permeating to this issue, is Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch's uh, resistance to Magneto's plans. Yeah, they're essentially uh, good people, but they... Caught up in a bad situation. Yeah, Scarlet Witch owes Magneto her uh, allegiance because he saved her life, and Quicksilver uh, is loyal to her his sister. Uh, it, oddly, too, it's it's a very odd uh, devotion. Kind of wondering yeah, if there's more but, going on to in this picture than we don't know about. I'm sure there isn't. In, in the um, in the Ultimate X Men, I think they were actually lovers, but that was Mark Miller and. Kind of cheesy. Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch? Yeah, I think so. Get out of here. I never read those. Yeah, they're probably not worth reading. Wait for our next podcast, folks. The Danger Room Ultimate. (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So then (laughs) Magneto hatches his plan, does he? No, he doesn't hatch his plan. He takes a long time to talk about how the X-Men are only sworn enemies, and if they could destroy you, they could, and blah, blah, blah. I gotta wonder, like, is Magneto counting out, like, the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and all the other heroes that are on the planet? Why is he only focusing his attention on the X-Men? Um, crossovers were few and far between at this point? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, you can't tell me that if Magneto destroys the X-Men and then tries to take over the world, that, like, the Fantastic Four or the Avengers aren't gonna swing in and be like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa! (laughs) <laughs> now you got to fight us. But anyways, he sets his sights only on the X-Men. And well, they'll be like, you know, that's not happening in our current continuity. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yes, his plan involves the Toad. And we now flash to the mansion where Scott is brooding about how the X-Men are going to move on without the professor. Without the professor. And uh, Iceman interrupts him. And to watch some, to try to get Scott to watch some TV and... Not just TV, but, uh, but the track meet. Ah, uh, yes, the track meet. Which is popular amongst all teenagers in 1964. Oh, yeah, but of course. I mean, the Olympics must be on because this is more than just a track meet. But anyway... No, he says it's just a track meet. Scott, there's a great track meet on TV. Not, Scott, the Olympics are on. This is amazing. No, Scott, there's a great track meet on TV. Right, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but knowing the events that are about to take place, having read the next page, it's a little more than a track meet. All right, fine. <laughs> but but I mean, I guess our, were the 1964 maybe... Olympics held in New York City? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> this is a uh, prep. Uh, okay. Oh, this is the pre- this is uh, uh, the trial time trials. Yes. Uh, all right. All right. So Cyclops uh, Scott Scott shuts slams the door in Nice Man's face with his um, with his blast. Yes, yes. proving once again that he has uh, ultimate control over his powers because while he could destroy a building, he can slam a door shut with his power ray. Yep. <laughs> what a, okay, so Iceman is pounding his fists, claiming uh, that Cyclops is such a grouch. Hank and Bobby talk, they're buddies. Hank says umbrage, <laughs> which I don't, I don't know what that word means, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> don't take umbrage at Cyclops, Bobby. Uh, probably don't get upset. Something like that, I'm sure. Something like that. 
So the angel who uh, appears to be drinking a martini invites everybody in <laughs> to watch the track meet. Uh, they prep up uh, the professor in his chair to make him more comfortable so he can watch the TV. And to this point, we still think, I mean, at least what I've seen panel-wise, that he's still passed out or asleep or brain dead yeah, Not or only something. has he lost his powers, but he's just like completely... Uh, Seemingly brain dead. And cold, because they're always covering him up in blankets. <laughs> um, so Angel points out uh, on the TV that there is a, uh, there's a runner at the track meet that is of particular interest. He has this uh, mysterious hopping ability. Weird. And uh, I don't know. Are we at, at this point? I mean, I, did, I didn't even – I wasn't really thinking about it. But by the time I got to the fifth panel – I knew it was Toad. Oh. But um, are we as the audience supposed to know that it's Toad? It's pretty obvious. It is pretty obvious. I mean, okay, so so Magneto says, I've got a plan and it involves you. What, Master? And then you see this guy hopping all around. Yeah. I but think how do the X-Men not figure this out? Because the X-Men don't have the professor. Yeah. I, I don't know how they don't because <laughs> they're dumb. <laughs> the only one yes. that's paying attention is Angel and he's drunk off martinis. <laughs> I don't know. So, no, they, they decide that they need to go help this mutant because that is their sworn oath. In the fourth panel on this page, mm-hmm. um, is that legal when he jumps over all the hurdles? Um, I don't know if there's a rule about that in uh, the hurdle yeah. jump. I, I mean, wonder if you're, if you're supposed to jump over them one at a time or if you can jump at them. My question is, should, be, should they be that close to one another? Yeah, that, would, that looks pretty rough. <laughs> For any hurdler, yes. Uh, I, I don't know, man. We'd have to look at a rule book for that. That'd be funny if there was a rule on the book saying that you can only jump over one hurdle at a time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so finally, Jean Grey gets to say something. But what about the professor? <laughs> <laughs> but now the professor's like, don't worry about me, my dear. I'll be right here. Just remember, I can't follow you mentally. So he is awake and he's not brain dead. Yeah, he's just quiet. He's just tired. Lazy. Eerily quiet. Yes. So, meanwhile, at the track meet, uh, all of the humans, the Homo sapiens, are surrounding the really good hopper. Yes, because uh, mutant uh, outrage is beginning. Yes, it started. do not like, um, let's see, normal humans fear and distrust anyone with super mutant powers. And immediately they're responding to his hopping ability. And it looks like they just want to know how he did it because they just don't believe him. They're pretty angry about it. One of the things that often struck me in the Marvel Universe is you've got two classes of heroes. You've got the altered heroes like Captain America and, I don't know, Giant Man. Well, most of the Avengers uh, who were human but then through various accidents gained their superpowers. And for whatever reason, those folks are celebrated. But mutants, people that were born with these same abilities that these altered folks have, are feared and loathed. Yeah, I mean... I've always kind of understood why the Marvel Universe fear and loathes people with powers. Um, you know, mutants or otherwise, uh, shit gets busted up in the Marvel Universe all the time. That's true. I would be, I would be terrified to live in the Marvel Universe. I wouldn't go outside. <laughs> I'd be really mad, you know. <laughs> One Seriously, day, everything gets destroyed all the time. Every day you go to work, you do the same thing. And the next day you come, like, the whole building's destroyed because the Hulk yeah. and the thing were fighting over who gets the last Pop-Tart or something stupid. I wouldn't and like, like come on. either. <laughs> So the X-Men swoop in. They save the Hopper guy. Um, Angel drives his um, 
Well, actually, Jean Grey looks like drives in Angel's uh, red convertible. And she's standing. And she's standing. Well, you know, you got to when you're driving into a stadium of people. But uh, uh, they can't figure out what to do because the Angel is too weak to carry uh, Toad. I mean, uh, this new mutant that we've found. (laughs) Beast can't hold him back. Iceman can't hold him back. And Cyclops is just, just, just riding bitch. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what he's also doing. standing. We can't run them down. So they uh, they leave the car in the stadium. Now <laughs> the problem with that is I will have to believe that the car is uh, registered to one of the Worthingtons, perhaps Warren, perhaps his parents, but that might give away their identities. I don't know. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, yeah. So they, <laughs> they abandon they abandon the car. They abandoned the car to go running through the city, or yeah, which is which is now a city. Now my thing is here: I wouldn't have taken that car in the first place because it has too many too many you know uh, uh, trails back to to identities and whatnot. Maybe I would have taken one of those sweet helicopters that they had access to in issue two. Maybe the car is not licensed to anybody. Oh, well, that could be. It's like a it's like a special stealth car. Oh, it doesn't have a registration. Yeah. It's 1964. Who knows? Maybe they didn't have registration back then. We don't know. So anyway, so they, they, hop- all, they all get on the subway and uh, get into a crowded subway car. And so this whole time, this guy's been hopping around, and everyone's like, we got to save him, and he's heavy, and let's go over there to that subway. And as soon as they stop running and hopping, that's when Angel decides that this guy who is now standing... And doing nothing oh, is familiar, disturbingly familiar. It's Beast, not Angel. Oh, is it Beast? Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. It is. Of course, he's the also smart some, one. Also, some uh, the people on the subway are all staring at them, so we get a little of that uh, mutant fear. A little uncomfortability there. Just a nice touch. Well, I mean, if I was on the subway and uh, some dude with wings was in there. I don't know if I'd mind the other guys because I would just think that they're weird freaks going to a costume party, but when the guy with wings gets on... <laughs> what about the giant ice man? Oh, I suppose, yeah. He would kind of <laughs> creep you out too. I think I might just laugh at him. But now if like the angel was standing there and maybe I was a little bit behind him, I think I'd pluck one of his feathers. <laughs> <laughs> just to say that I did. And then run. You know, because they're good guys. What are they going to do? Attack me? All right, anyway, so... Uh, in in multiple colored word balloons here, we got pink, blue, and white. Uh, they they discover that this man with curly red hair is in fact the Toad. So they uncover him and he escapes. They go after him. Uh, Iceman throws a ice disc at him, which somehow, mm-hmm. even though it looks like the trajectory goes pretty far away, uh, then lands under Toad's feet. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And Toad lands on that and goes sliding and slipping and spinning and stuff. And they try to capture and, the Toad again. Yep. And then the metal in the, the place where they are, uh, what are they, Grand Central Station probably? Yeah, sure. Something like that. The metal starts uh, flying apart. And uh, guess who shows up? <gasps> bum, bum, bum. Could it be somebody who's the master of something magnetic? Why, why yes, it is. Oh, okay. It's Magneto. He shows up. <laughs> <laughs> in case you in case you were wondering. Okay, so he makes some metal stuff fly around and, and tie up the angel specifically. Yep, he uh, looks like some train tracks. He pulls some train tracks out and wraps it around angel. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. And then, uh, uh, I don't know, the Scarlet Witch. 
with her awesome hex this is, power this guy's suitcase to open. Yeah, I have the power to make suitcases open, which Beast <laughs> clumsily trips over. I mean, he's the Beast; he can hang off of the ceiling with his toenails, and here he is tripping over suitcases. Well, maybe that's part of what the hex power also did. Oh, confuse him. Yeah. I have to imagine that there's got to be more to the Scarlet Witch's... I mean, we learn further on in the Marvel Universe that there is, but there's got to be more to her hex power than just moving stuff around because that's called telekinesis. So I don't know when they develop more of that power, but maybe that's part of it. It seems like when she points at something, just things happen. Like, she almost doesn't control them. You're right, because actually that's what Quicksilver said in the last issue. It's careful where you point your finger. You never know what might happen. Yeah, so, so I think you're right. I uncontrolled right. telekinesis, we'll call yeah, it. Yeah, sure, that works. So Mastermind, uh, instead of making like a dragon or something, just makes like 25 versions of himself. Iceman is confused because yep. he doesn't know which is which, which, I mean, wow, what kind of power is that? Uh, <laughs> so Iceman makes a ice baseball bat and just whacks them all. Um, and then Mastermind puts steam around Iceman so he can't see. But St- Iceman does say, wow, even though I know it's just an illusion, it's blinding me uh, just as much as if it were real. So we're kind of, I know this is fake, but I still can't see through it. So we're getting a li- at least a little bit more vocalization of like the effect that Mastermind's power has on, on everybody. But here's the first example. Mastermind, in uh, a few panel or a few pages earlier, wrapped up Toad in a cloth, a heavy cloth that was completely an illusion. Yeah. Why doesn't he do that to all of the X-Men right now? <laughs> uh, that's that's a good question. That's a good I don't know. Jack Kirby Maybe. already drew that, and he didn't want to draw it again. <laughs> no, Stan, I'm not drawing that again. Give me I clouds. Like, I want clouds. It must be hard being uh, mastermind, Maybe. having to think up things really fast. Yeah, maybe he's just not that creative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's got those powers like, Ugh, what do I make now? How about a bunch of me? That didn't work. How about some clouds? Yeah, that oh, that didn't work either. Darn it. <laughs> so then Marvel Girl, uh, finally, she gets another line in the story. She uh, lifts up the uh, mastermind into the air, and he gets scared because he doesn't want to fall. Uh, Quicksilver jumps on the back of Cyclops. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Marvel Girl lets on that she's got feelings, maybe. Oh, no, I mustn't let Cyclops be injured. Oh, we know she has feelings. She's had feelings for the past three issues. Well, yes. So they're they're further, further insinuated. Will um, this will their love ever come together? <laughs> maybe. So anyways, they uh, Cyclops shoots um, the uh, Quicksilver without touching his goggles which we had a i think we had a conversation about a couple of issues ago and even quicksilver mm-hmm. in this comic was like oh my gosh i thought he had to touch his power beam or his helmet while he was shooting but he doesn't have to yep all right so there you go another thing explained away it's like it's like we were there saying stan what about <laughs> this stan what about that and he's like oh you're right i gotta write this in quicksilver runs away scott shoots at him um but now and oh, then the sh- yeah Go ahead. No, I, I, I had actually forgotten that they captured Angel, and apparently they did until this panel when they pick him <laughs> up and run away. The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants runs away. And again, this panel here, with we're on page 15, panel 3, of Magneto in his long running stride. I mean, Magneto's the master of magnetism, and, and as <laughs> evil as Doctor Doom, and you know, as far up there as any of the uh, classic nemesis is, Nemesai, he shouldn't be running like that. He should be floating <laughs> backwards, like mocking the X Men, saying, I've got angel suckers, or 
something, but not running full stride. He, he's running like Shaggy and Scooby Doo. <laughs> he is. <laughs> oh, Scooby Snacks on the magnetic ship, run! So the X Men react. Uh, they try to. We chase better get him. out of here, Scoob. <laughs> Zoics. Uh, but they have Angel and. Um, uh, the beast runs after them. They they tell Mastermind to make an illusion, which he does, which is a rhinoceros. It's a rhinoceros, <laughs> which runs through the crowd. The crowd panics, and uh, Marvel Girl tries to lift Beast with her telekinesis, but she can't because he's too heavy. But we've already seen her lift Professor Xavier and Mastermind in this issue, and in a couple of issues prior to this, she lift a whole gaggle of girls up on top of a, a movie theater marquee. Okay, so here's my theory. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm ready. <laughs> um, in the 1960s, mm-hmm. uh, continuity for comic books did not mean the same thing that it means to us today. You mean consistency? Like, yeah, yeah, consistency. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> like we're 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 kind of you know we're kind of used to the X Men where every little detail is referred to in a previous issue and, and we can, you know, they're very, these things are very tight and a lot of things don't conflict with each other. Um, I think here we're just in the sense of this is telling the story and all the little details from issue to issue don't necessarily matter. Mm. I almost feel like the first issue doesn't count. What? Like the first four issues then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, I attribute it to Stanley's probably just writing too many comic books at one <laughs> like time. Me too. Well, I just said, uh, yeah, it's, it's that or that it just didn't matter in the 60s. Uh, I guess that could be. Maybe maybe we're just there too... Were, there, weren't, uh, there weren't fanboys then. Maybe we're just too anal retentive here in the 21st century. Yeah, exactly. But Marvel Girl clearly lifted five 95-pound women in issue three. Now, how is that possible? Can the Beast possibly weigh more than 500 pounds? I don't think so. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> so anyways, uh, Magneto has apparently, like, magnetic control of the space and the planet because he's got all these magnetic-controlled planes, ships, spaceships, if you will. Once again, I ask who built this spaceship for him. Oh, and you know what? The bottom um, looks like a little bit of, like like one of those little horseshoe magnets. Yeah, yeah. I was just noticing that. That's clever. It's another nice touch. <laughs> uh, yes. So, so the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants escapes in their little magnet horseshoe ship. And the Beast tries to jump after to no avail. Uh, so, yeah, they bring uh, the angel into one of the holding cells on asteroid M. Magneto says, you'll talk to me and only death will free you. To which the Scarlet Witch, she's not, she doesn't seem to be very cool with murder. Yeah, she seems pretty upset that Magneto would uh, want to murder anyone. Yeah, that he he would even suggest such a thing. Right, which, you know, going back to last issue, he tried to wipe out a nation. You know what, and you're right, and not only that, he tried to destroy the X-Men with an atomic bomb. Yeah. You would think that she'd be like, you know, you you saved me, thanks, uh, and I did help you a couple of times, but man, you're, you're threatening to kill people with nuclear bombs. I, I think I'm going to move on. <laughs> Anyways, so um, they, tor- they proceed to torture Angel with hypnosis and loud stuff. Yeah. None of which works. 
instead of going in there with a knife and stabbing him in the heart. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently it goes by for hours. Oh, yes, yes. What manner of man is the angel? Oh, see, what is the secret of Professor X's training? Why can't I break his will? So at this point, we're still, I think, led to believe that Professor X and Magneto have no prior involvement with one another. Right. At least not that we can discern. So uh, anyways, the the X-Men are apparently now on some sort of, uh, I don't know, like the Brooklyn, like, boardwalk or something. (laughs) <laughs> Isn't that water in the background? They're on a wooden A deserted boardwalk. pier on the East River. Oh, okay. All right. Little caption. Uh, um, this was just weird. I, I like the toad uh, gets locked into a trance. I have a theory. Of some sort. And um, calls the ship back and just needs to get back to the base. It's very strange. What's your theory? Well, I, I mean, so, right. So the X-Men are equally as confused as to why is he mumbling to himself and... Let's follow him, and perhaps he'll lead us to the enemy, and 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 he does. Uh, and, and it gets to the point where they actually get back to Asteroid M, and, and Toad uh, gets off the ship, and even Mastermind's like, well, how'd you get here? And and even Toad in this frame is, I had to come. I yeah. My theory here is that the Toad has somehow been brainwashed by Magneto, which is why he is such a, uh, oh, the master is here. The master will know what to do. The leader is here. The leader will know what to do. And when separated from his leader, that brainwashing starts to wear off, and, and he has to get back to his master for it. It's kind of like a fix. He has to get his, his master fix. So I think Magneto is somehow manipulating him. No, you All right. <laughs> uh, I buy it. But then why... Uh... Because uh, wouldn't he wouldn't he know that Toad's coming back then? Well, I mean, I don't know if Magneto specifically knows to what effect his brainwashing or or whatever effect has on the Toad. But if you look, so the X Men get off. There's there's some encounter where again, uh, uh, Mastermind turns the Beast's legs into like gelatin or, or dough or something, and Beast is like, "Well, my brain knows that this is an illusion, but I still can't move my legs." Um, and they, they do some stuff, uh, Mastermind tries to shoot him. But if you look at, so we're on page 19, panel 3. As soon as uh, uh, Mastermind says, quick, Toad, to Magneto, we can fight them, but we can't fight them alone. All of a sudden, Toad snaps out of it, and he says, to Magneto, hooray, the leader will save us. The leader can do anything. So it's like a, like a Pavlovian response that Toad has. Yeah, I think you might be onto something there. Yeah, so, I don't know. Magneto is the same as a bell ringing for the dog. Um, All right, so then... Oh, again, another opportunity. Mastermind could wrap them up in illusions. Cloth Cloth illusions is all it takes. Would have taken. But instead, uh, they run back to Magneto, and Magneto says, Quiet, you emotional fool. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that kind of came out of left field, but whatever. I heard everything you... I heard everything. And so he puts his magnetic powers through a magnetic intensifier again. (laughs) (laughs) It seems to be a tact of uh, Professor X and Magneto. They they both have intensifiers. Yeah. Well, Magneto had an intensifier in issue one where he intensified Mm -hmm. his magnetic powers and Professor X did as well. But let me... Let's back up a second here. So earlier we saw that somehow Magneto has these magnetically controlled planes that I can only assume are controlled by Magneto's powers, right? That can somehow get them from Asteroid M to the planet, around the, in and around the planet, and then back up to Asteroid M. 
Why does he need a magnetic intensifier just to control every magnetic aspect of his uh, of his small little asteroid? I don't think the ships are controlled by Magneto's powers. What? What are they controlled by then? Just some other magnetic power? Well, the first time we saw them, Quicksilver was flying it. Um, uh, I think there's some sort of like magnet and homing beacon in Asteroid M that allows them to propel forward and backward. They they go by signals. All right. Fine. <laughs> I'll buy that. All right, so he puts his powers through an intensifier so he can control every magnetic aspect of the asteroid, which he does. And plus, you know, he's also like, you know, the intensifier allows him to control many, many multiple things at once. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're right. So he covers up uh, Cyclops' head with a piece of extra sheet metal. Which has got to be aluminum or something, because, like, how can he breathe? He says, oof, can't see. I'm able to breathe, but can't use my power ray. So, I don't know. I don't know why you would throw that extra bit of dialogue in there, but, yeah, it's some light type of, well, you can't breathe through aluminum foil. So Magneto was, like, had the wherewithal to be like, I'm going to put a piece of sheet metal over Cyclops' head, but leave enough room for him to breathe. Right. It's mighty considerate um, of him. Yeah, why doesn't he just pop his head off or something? No, well, I mean it's sharp metal, right? Why not just cut his head off? Zing! Yeah. Oh, there's one X Men down now. I just gotta get this Marvel girl, and instead of what is she doing? He's he's got like headphones, and so he puts instead of like making a clamp to just squish his he- her head, he just puts some loud headphones on her. All Which right. is, seems to be a theme with uh, Magneto this issue. He he, he hits uh, Angel with some loud techno music and. Um, <laughs> Uh, clearly he's hitting uh, Marvel Girl with some Einstrotten new button or something. Sure, sure, something, something annoying. It makes a loud beep noise, according <laughs> to this panel. Beep! <laughs> it could be craft work. <laughs> uh, so the asteroid acts like it's alive. We've got to help Marvel Girl. Marvel Girl still rocking out. Uh, uh, so... As if to prove the beast's words, tiny flame jets. Where did the flame jets come from? Uh, from the opposite wall, because in the next panel, Iceman covers I... the flame jets oh. on the wall. So you're telling me Magneto had flame jets installed into his asteroid? Hell yeah. <laughs> of course he did. Why have an asteroid if you're not going to have flame jets coming out of it? <laughs> All right, fine. So yes, Iceman Ice... freezes the... Uh, the the metallic, I guess, arms holding uh, Marvel Girl's arms at her side. Uh-huh. Which it looks like she actually has enough room to take the headphones off. But anyway, uh, <laughs> and then crystallizes them, smashing them. Beast takes off the headphones. And then Beast peels the metallic sheath off of Cyclops' head. Yeah, he's just that strong. Because Cyclops couldn't do that himself. Well, Beast is a lot stronger. I guess. <laughs> I, I think that proves that it's not tinfoil. <laughs> so they all escaped uh, Magneto's traps. But I'll just seal them off in the section and blow them out the airlock. Well, finally, a plan that's worth doing. Which is like, why didn't he cut Cyclops' head off again? <laughs> <laughs> Well, now he realized that he's like, I wanted to take him alive, and that was just greedy, so now I'm just going to blow him out the airlock. All right, fine. I can get behind that. But the Scarlet Witch to... the Scarlet Witch prevents him from doing that with her hex power 
by Short putting circuiting the panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Magneto's mad. You dare defy the will of Magneto? You know, they really didn't give Magneto much of a personality in these issues. It's all just, I'm Magneto, like a lot of chest pounding. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, I'm Magneto, follow me, I'm the leader, I hate humans. Yeah, but really nothing else. No motivation. Why is he like this? What happened to him? Did he not get enough hugs? Maybe the Scarlet Witch just needs to give him a hug. All of this would go away. Could be true. Perhaps we'll find out. Magneto gets home mad at uh, Quicksilver and and the Scarlet Witch, and there's some... Looks like there's going to be a face-off between Pietro and Magneto. Some more brotherly, sisterly, creepy love going on there. And then then Cyclops blasts through the door. Cyclops tries to reason with Quicksilver, and Quicksilver, he just doesn't like anybody. He hates Magneto, or Magneto, whoops. More than anyone knows, but he once saved my sister's life, so I must serve him. You know, uh, the one thing that they didn't touch upon from the last issue, which I thought they were going to, was the fact that uh, Quicksilver stopped the the atom bomb from exploding, or whatever kind of bomb it was. Yeah, well, I think that's just going to say that even though Quicksilver does not maybe like the X-Men or has been listening to Magneto's rants and raves against the X-Men... He still isn't quite sold on murder as the solution. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. I just so. like there. There was a um, there. I think in, in the last issue, he said something like, "No matter what the cost, I have to rescue these people's lives." Mm. Yeah, and um, I thought there would be a cost. Huh. No, no cost. Like twenty lashes from Magneto or something. Oh no, not at all. No, apparently he's back in Magneto's good graces. I mean, Magneto gave him a spaceship to drive around for God's sakes. That's true. <laughs> I mean, that's an, a reward of anything. So, so Cyclops still tries to reason with him. Says that they, you're the Magneto's the criminals, and your guys are good. And I don't know, Quicksilver. I don't know what his problem is. Yeah, I, he's he's got loyalty problems. So then, meanwhile. Um, Beast is trying to break the unbreakable glass, but he can <laughs> feel just it. just strange. <laughs> but he can feel it giving, so he's just going to give it a few more thumps, begging the question, I thought it was unbreakable. Even unbreakable brass, glass can be broken. Impossible. <laughs> All right, so it's not unbreakable because uh, um, uh, Marvel Girl does something. It seems like Marvel Girl gets a piece of action like every 17th page. <laughs> oh, oh! here I am. Uh, I will throw this at the glass. So she grabs a, a chemical tank and throws it through the glass. And then, Well, on the bright side, at least like nobody reacts and was like, good job, doll. <laughs> good job, doll face. Um, no, no, nobody does. But somebody says, and I'm sure it's Beast, you did it. He can extricate himself now. Yep. Now, I'm not sure what that means. I think it's a bit too complicated a word for... Uh... For this situation. Extricate? Yes. All right. Um, okay. So anyways, he extricates himself, and uh, <laughs> and he jumps out. It's a little sore afterwards. <laughs> a little embarrassed. Uh, wishes he had an extra uniform, but, you know, whatever. He's good. He's the angel. So he jumps out, and... Uh, Mastermind is clearly reaching, like, the limits of his powers, because now he's just throwing a stupid-ass-looking monster at them. <laughs> It kind of looks like the uh, the monster from the first issue of the Fantastic Four that crawls out of the... You know what it looks like to me? It looks like a gremlin head with 
fat legs and arms stuck to the head. Oh, yeah, yeah. Arms for ears. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And they don't buy it. The X-Men are like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so they just fly right through them. And then, uh, yeah, Mastermind's like, oh, I'm so uncreative. Stay away from me. <laughs> and so Magneto uh, 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 throws a dart grenade at them. Which explodes into a thousand flying darts, which mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty deadly. And uh, the X-Men managed to avoid every single dart, and Magneto's impressed. Yeah, they apparently avoid every single dart by taking cover. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Their training is out of this world. Magneto's <laughs> impressed. The um, asteroid starts breaking up because somebody must have brushed against the self-detonate buttons. Yeah. Bad design. Bad, poor design. <laughs> You don't put self-detonate buttons within arm's reach, all right? Also, poor storytelling. Well, (laughs) Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, Toad comes back in, and he gets another dose of of whatever brainwashing Magneto has for him. (laughs) Save me, master. And uh, Magneto picks up Cyclops, uh, punches him, and throws him out. Um, into space. So, I mean, it's I been guess. like, yeah, it's like been three encounters and every encounter has been so difficult to reach an X-Man. And right now he's not only has he been able, been, not only has he been able to capture and kidnap the angel, but he's able to punch Meg or punch Cyclops in the face <laughs> and throw him out into an airlock. Quite into incredible. empty space. Well, it's not empty space yet, is it? Well, he says, I leave you to empty space. I'm not sure what the deal is. I guess maybe... What does he say that? Uh, there, it, stay behind the air chamber with your wretched partners. I leave you to empty space. Oh, okay. So this part did confuse me. So we're on page 23, uh, starting at panel 4. He throws him into what I assume is a room. But then in the next panel, you see the asteroid splitting in two. And they say, the X-Men aren't behind the airlock. They're still in this section. But they, they say, oh, that's all right. Cyclops is over there. He'll never borrow us or bother us again. So I'm not sure if he's in empty space or if he's in a room that's crumbling apart. But that's when okay. but that's when one, two, three, four, five, six, the seventh panel, you see an opening in which the X-Men are standing there and Bobby makes an ice cylinder bridge, which in the last panel of the page looks open mm-hmm. to open space, trying to connect the other part of the, I can't tell. Are they outside or are they inside? I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> it really looks like everybody is outside in, in, in space right now. Right. Uh, and so once the space bridge is completed, uh, uh, Angel flies through the tube to go get Cyclops, and then, like, everything falls apart. But at some Cyclops point... Says, at some Cyclops po- says the fragment was crumbling. Oh. I could just barely keep from falling. Keep from falling where? I, I don't, don't know, know where he was. I'm so confused. I don't either. <laughs> So, this, again, this goes back to my, my question of what was our understanding of space in 1964? Is space 1964, does it have gravity and air? I think this <laughs> is just a situation where the words and the art just did not work together to uh, convey what the hell just what happened. What was actually going on. All right, so then seconds after... I still don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't either. I mean, judging by the pictures that we have just seen, I have to assume that some or all of the X-Men were exposed to space. Yeah, and should be dead. <laughs> yep, but but they're not. Uh, so uh, something explodes, um, and I guess the uh, the 
don't know what asteroid M. Yeah, wow. the asteroid M pretty much explodes. But uh, and, uh, the oh. X Men escape. Hang on, hang on. Okay. Last page, page twenty four. But before drifting out into airless space, so they do know that there's not air in space. Okay, that's good. So it still doesn't so answer the question about the previous panel. <laughs> but anyways, uh, the X Men escape. Uh, back to the Earth from uh, using uh, they they hop aboard a uh, one of Magneto's Magneto's special ships, um, one that doesn't have a magnet for a bottom. And apparently, uh, see this is I don't understand. So it has enough magnetic juice or whatever, or the it's it's uh, polarized to send the little rocket to to the Earth. But as soon as it lands and the X-Men get out, it's repolarized to go back up to the asteroid? Yeah. I don't get it. I didn't, I didn't fully understand that either. All right. So the, the capsule or rocket or whatever you want to call it goes back from the docks, back up to the asteroid, which apparently blew up in the third panel of this, but apparently there's enough of it left to house the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. But look, yeah. it says Magneto can control its course mentally. There's no telling well, where well, he'll Yeah, he, he can. Doesn't mean he always is. All right, fine. <laughs> so they return back to their school, and they're ready to give the professor their report, and we get an it M. Night Shyamalan ending. <laughs> he was faking. What a twist. <laughs> he was only pretending. It was their final exam. So last issue, the professor ran into a door that had an explosion attached to it, and I guess he was like, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to pretend I lost my powers. Hey, man, the professor thinks on his feet. He's all cocky, lighting <laughs> up his uh, little uh, pipe there. That is kind of a dick move there to be like, yes, yes, let me explain what really happened here. <laughs> it was all just a actually, trick. I think it's a lie. I think he's just enjoying himself. I oh, think you think he, so? Uh, He's just I saving he, face? No, 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 yeah. no, no. I wasn't, I wasn't really cold when you were putting on those blankets. Uh, I'm tough <laughs> and strong. And Marvel Girl, why don't you sit on my lap for a moment? <laughs> he just happened to get his powers back in the interim between when the X-Men were, like, returning. Oh. And so now he's all like, oh, no, I had my powers all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously. Seriously, I, I was monitoring. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? You all passed the final exam. Congratulations. See, that's <laughs> distraction. <laughs> Uh, so he congratulates his X-Men, and there you go. Uh, and the X-Men have now graduated. Graduated to what? I don't know. Does it say they graduated? Oh, yeah. You, can, you, you can't graduate from any school without... Yeah, yeah. So they've graduated. Hooray! It's hard to say you've passed with... Well, you've all passed with flying colors. And it only took five issues. <laughs> Your training period is over. Now it's time for the big leagues. Yeah, and then uh, there it is. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. The, <laughs> the issue ends very abruptly, in my opinion. We have our first letters page. Do you have a letters page in yours? Oh, I do have a letters page. Uh, I was kind of thumbing through them a little bit. I didn't really see anything of note. Yeah, I read through them. I, I thought the one letter was kind of funny. You may be conceited, but you sure can write good stories. <laughs> right, right. That's kind of that. That also kind of kind of comes out of left field. What I was wondering, though, now in your omnibus, do you have? Is this your first letter section? Yeah, it, which was strange because one of the letters refers to a previous letter. Okay, so whatever we have copies of, they must not be copies of the original. 
Because right. I, don't, I don't remember which letter it is, but it says, oh, the guy who wrote in last time was crazy or something. Oh, yeah, in regard to Jerry Johnson's letter saying that the beast is a copy of the thing. Well, it's just not true. Hang on. Hang on. What if he's responding to a letter that Jerry Johnson wrote to Fantastic Four? Oh, that's a possibility. I'll have to check my Fantastic yeah. Four omnibus. There you go. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. Because there are also, yeah, there's some other letters here referring to, like, uh, Fantastic Four and whatnot. So I think that's what it is. Yeah, nothing really exciting. It's just a lot of praise in the X-Men's letters section. Yep, and some cocky responses from presumably Stanley. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, there you go. The first five issues of the X-Men, and everybody's happy. Yay! <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. Any final thoughts on that issue? I don't know. Ah, uh, no. It's moving along at a brisk pace. I'm I'm digging it. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of silliness going on, but it's enjoyable silliness. They're, 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 I feel like every issue kind of picks up on the last one. Well, yeah, as it should, as it should. Yeah. So I I got I really have no final thoughts on this issue. Uh, I guess it is kind of uh, wrapped up into a nice little package there. Uh, the yeah. X-Men defeated the Brotherhood, but only to a point where the Brotherhood could just get away and lick their wounds until next time, whenever that yeah, is. Yeah, so folks, if you uh, if you want to send us some iTunes comments, when we would totally appreciate that. Um, also, if you want to send us some letters or comment on our webpage, uh, Jeremy's about to give you all the stats. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Danger Room. Just do that in the iTunes. Just type that in the iTunes, Danger Room. That's spelled phonetically. And then you can go to uh, redcatproductions.com slash danger room, and that's where all of our stuff is. Or you could just go to Red Cat Productions and just look at all the cool stuff that's there. There's links for everything, and then there's email links and comments links, and there's so many ways that you can get a, a hold of us that if you're listening to this right now and you don't go to one of those places to leave some sort of remark or feedback, well, then you're just... Then you're just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And there, and then there it is. Yeah. Uh, so I guess until next time. This is Jeremy and Adam saying the danger room is closed. <laughs>